So Paul and Silas and Timothy leave Philippi that they were in in chapter 16. Luke stayed back. You remember Luke joined them on this journey. And then we're picking up in chapter 17. And it says this. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures. So this passage tells us that Paul did the same thing he had been doing anytime he went into certain areas. He went into the areas and he went right to the synagogue in order to preach. Remember, Paul was, he was an educated Jew religious Jew. So basically when he went to the synagogue, people were like, okay, what's this guy have to say? Like they kind of knew about his reputation. They knew about him, but they knew he knew what he was talking about. So for three weeks, it says that he reasoned with them on three Sabbath days. So three weeks, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Now it's important to note that Paul took his time to explain debate and share the scriptures with the Jewish people in the synagogue. So what we have to remember is when we're talking to others about the Lord, it can take time, right? It could take time. It is multiple conversations. It's a series of questions and answers, and it's time praying for them. Sometimes churches just think, okay, let's have this event, right? Tell all the people about Jesus, and then they're going to believe. So we'll have an event and they'll be like, how many people believed in Jesus? It's like, well, I'm not too sure, right? Because for most people, it is a journey. It's a faith journey. They're hearing. They're asking questions. They're wondering. But for most of us, it was that, right? It was a process. I mean, think about how you came to the Lord. Was it just all of a sudden I heard the gospel and I was like, yes, I believe? Or was it a process? You heard it. Hmm. I'm thinking about this. I'm asking questions about it. Maybe for some of you it was. As soon as you heard it, you believed, and that's great. But for most of us, we're, it's conversations, it's learning, it's studying, it's asking questions. So next we find out what Paul was actually reasoning with them about. It says this, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. So these people were obviously worshiping God in the synagogue. So they already had a knowledge of God. They were religious Jewish people. They already had a knowledge of God. They were worshiping the one true God. Their issue was they did not regard or understand who Jesus really was. They did not accept that he was the Messiah. If you notice, he says, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer. Now, if you were a good Jewish person at that time, or if you were a good Jewish person studying the Jewish scriptures, you would be looking for a reigning king. Okay, that's what you would be looking for. That's who's coming, right? The second coming of Jesus, a reigning king. So basically what Paul had to do is he was navigating. He was like, okay, I know you're waiting for this king, but let me just tell you, the king's name is actually Jesus. It's actually the guy that was crucified. It's actually the guy that rose from the grave. He came already, okay? He's the one, he's the one. So Paul uses scriptures they knew to connect the dots, 
Now, this passage doesn't tell us what scriptures Paul actually used, but I can only imagine he probably used some of these scriptures I'm going to share with you. And the first one is in Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. So I'm sure Paul, being a good religious Jew before he became a Christian, knew that these good religious Jews knew this scripture. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and he had carries our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity or sin of us all. So Paul probably started with something like this. Hey, listen, this Jesus, all our sins were laid upon him. He was killed. He was pierced for our transgressions, our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. So basically what Paul is saying here is, look, all we like sheep have gone astray. We are all sinners. We all need a savior. So that's what he was probably telling these people. I mean, I know he was telling the gospel, but he was probably using a passage like Isaiah. But then he may have went on to Psalm 118.22. The stone that the builders rejected had become this cornerstone. So now he's saying, Jesus, you know this guy, Jesus, that you crucified, that you rejected, that you would not accept what he was doing, that when you looked at his miracles, when you looked at what he said and how he said that I am the one true God, you rejected him. The stone that the builders rejected. The builders were the religious Jewish people. They were the Jewish people that believed. They were the chosen ones. They were the ones that actually were building the religious construct that they were living under. So Paul might have said, Hey, you know what? Jesus is the one you rejected. And guess what? Now he's the cornerstone. And then he may have went right to Psalm 16:10, "For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your holy one see corruption." We saw that in earlier on in Acts, I can't remember what chapter it is right now, but basically this is about Jesus rising from the dead. The religious Jewish people thought that this was David, because David was the one who said that. You will not let your Holy One see corruption. They thought, oh, David must have been talking about himself. But then Paul clarified that in Acts, and he said, no, 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 no. David was talking about Jesus. The Holy One not seeing corruption was actually the resurrection. So you see, Paul actually preached the entirety of the gospel. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. Jesus died, and he rose from the grave. So Paul used what they knew and made the connection for them. It's Jesus. That's who you were looking for, but you missed it. And that's who I come to tell you about. You know, the question we need to ask ourselves is when talking to someone about Jesus, what scriptures do they need to hear? Because most of us are probably not preaching to a religious Jewish person. A couple of weeks ago, we had Mitch Glaser here. He specializes in preaching to religious Jewish people because he had a Jewish background. He's Jewish. So maybe the people that you're talking to don't have any background. Maybe they're just suffering. Maybe they're not convinced that there is a God. 
Maybe they've been hurt by a church. Maybe they have no religious upbringing whatsoever. Maybe they believe in a different religion. Maybe they lack purpose in life. Maybe they're ultra-political. Or maybe things in their life are just going a-okay, and they don't really see a need to have a God in their life because things are going just fine. Well, here's the challenge for us, and here's where it gets tricky. Whatever their issue or questions are, we want to be biblically informed. What does God's word have to say about that, right? That's hard, isn't it? Okay, you can't just say like, okay, you know what? Because there's so many people in your life. So that means that you have to spend time studying God's word. We have to spend time studying God's word so we're prepared to share the appropriate scriptures with them. You get that? So this is a lifelong journey. And that's why I bang this drum all the time of you getting into God's word on your own. Because guess what? The more you get into God's word, the more you learn. The more you learn, the more you're equipped to talk to other people about the Lord. And maybe you're struggling, where do I start? Hey, where do I start? Well, I mean, obviously, you could start with a multitude of daily devotional types of things on our resources, on our website, out in the foyer, on the YouVersion Bible app. But you know what? One of the best places to start if you're thinking about talking to other people about the Lord is start with the questions that you actually have. Start with the questions that you actually have. You know why? Because you have those questions. So you're interested in the answer. You know, sometimes it's hard to muster up the interest in certain things. You're like, eh, I'm not interested in that. Yeah, I remember, uh, I was always like that with the scientific type stuff. Like, even before I became a believer, sitting in high school and teachers would be like, oh, it's evolution. Be like, this does not make sense to me. It does not make sense. You mean to tell me that this, no, this, before I was a believer. So when I became a believer, I was like, okay, yeah, that evolution type stuff, like, I have no interest in that. So it's actually hard for me sometimes to study that because I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever, okay? I don't really care about that that much. But I know I have to, right? Because I know I need to talk to other people. So for me, this is what I did. I started with the questions that I actually had. So that's what you can do. Start with the questions that you actually have. Seek out the answers from God's word. Then you'll be more prepared to actually talk to other people. Paul knew his audience. Why? Because he was brought up in that audience. Okay, He was brought up in the Jewish culture, so he knew it so well. So when he walked in, he was like, you know what? Here's a scripture, here's a scripture, here's a scripture, here's a scripture, here's a... And they were like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. So what was the outcome of Paul reasoning with them from the scriptures? Well, and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. So many believed Jews and Greeks. And great, that, that's the desired outcome, right? When you preach the gospel, you, like the desired outcome that you prayed for was that people believe. In fact, we'll later see Paul writes two letters to Thessalonians because he's in Thessalonica right now. So he writes two letters to Thessalonians. And in the first letter, he recounts his visit and how they accepted God's word that Paul preached. And we find out they became model Christians and the church actually sent out missionaries to plant churches in other areas. So not only did were they persuaded, okay, they believed, 
but they actually kept growing and they were discipled and they actually did good works in view of what they believed. But as we move on, we're going to see that many did not believe and many were not happy with Paul and his companions. So here's what happens. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy were staying with a man named Jason. So basically what happened, these Jews that were jealous, that did not believe, were mad, so they got a bunch of people, and they basically said, like, okay, you know, these guys are troublemakers, let's go get them. So they went to the house of Jason, where Jason was the guy that was letting them stay in his house, and they went there to go get them. So let's see what happens. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Jesus has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Oh, Jason has received them. Excuse me, I thought I said Jesus there. Um, so here's now what's happening. So they drag them in. The authority shout them. I love this. These men have what? Turned the world upside down. I love that statement. Basically, the preaching of Jesus has turned their little world that they live in upside down. So they brought them out. They, they got Jason out there, and they were like, you know what? These are the guys that, that hosted these guys, and, you know, let's, let's get them out here, and basically, let's charge them. Let, let's, let's do something to these guys. So when they didn't find Paul and his companions, they dragged Jason out to accuse him, and here's what happens. And the people of the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So basically, essentially, Jason was out on bail now. Okay, so, you know, he, he got taken in and they basically said, okay, you know, we're going to beat you. We're going to do whatever. We're going to keep you or you can give us your bail money. So that's what happened. So Jason and the others had to put up bail money to be released. Now, in view of all this, they knew Paul and Silas were going to be in trouble. Okay, the believers there knew. So they're in Thessalonica. They knew Paul and Silas, if they stick around, they're going to be in trouble. Now, this is kind of a lesson to us as well, because sometimes it's not good to stick around in certain areas. Okay, And Paul and Silas and all the brothers there realize, you know what? It's probably not good for them to stay here right now. So let's see what happens. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they had arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. So Paul and Silas went to Berea to preach the gospel there. And obviously, like the pattern that Paul has had, what does he do? He goes to the synagogue. Again, he was a respected Jewish, religious Jew, right? Before he became a Christian. So people would kind of, oh, what's this guy have to say? Maybe not everybody knew that Paul was a Christian yet. Maybe not everybody knew that he was following and preaching Jesus. So when he walked in, they welcomed him and he went to the synagogues. So then we see this. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily 
to see if these things were so. Now, what does it mean these Jews were more noble? Well, noble means having or showing fine personal qualities or high moral principles and ideals. So basically what happened is these Jewish people were not going to just dismiss Paul. They weren't going to dismiss Paul. They were eager to check in to what Paul was actually teaching. Remember, Paul was a highly educated religious Jewish man that trusted Jesus. So their response was actually this. I'm not just hearing this. I'm actually going to study these scriptures and I'm going to test it. I'm not just going to listen to what this man says. I'm actually going to test it by what God's word actually says. Now, I just want to tell you, there is a huge problem with the modern church. There's a huge problem with the modern church. People follow pastors and Christian leaders rather than God's word. I mean, we see this all around. If you, if you look on the internet, if you search, and I'm not like, like ragging on like mega churches and stuff, but it seems to happen with churches that have charismatic pastors that have big followings or charismatic authors that have big followings, Christian leaders that have big followings. Basically, people are like, oh, did you hear what Pastor So-and-so said? Did you see what, hear what this Christian author said? And basically, it can be things that go directly against God's word. And Christians are like, okay, yeah, I love that person. They're great. They're gifted. They're a great orator. They're a gifted speaker. So let me just tell you this. I want to let you know, as a pastor... My opinion on issues doesn't matter. Do you realize that? Do you know what does matter? What God's word says. So I'll have opinions, and I try the best I can not to share my opinions. Okay, some of you in conversations on the side here and there, you'll hear my opinions. But I try the best I can not to share my opinions because guess what? This time that we're together, it's for God's word. And it's for God's word to be preached. And that's what matters. I'm not called to lead by opinion. No, none of the leaders here at this church are called to lead by opinion. We're called to lead by God's word. Now, this is important. The Bereans, they were more noble, right? Because they said, okay, I hear what you say, Paul, but I'm going to test you. I'm going to test you. I'm going to see if this is true. I'm sure the Bereans liked Paul and probably respected him, and that's actually why they listened to him. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's all good. I'm glad they did. I'm glad they weren't like, here comes Paul. Like, they were like, oh, cool, here comes Paul. He has something to say. Let's hear what he has to say. But you know what? I'm not just going to take him at his word because he is a sinful man, just like we are, okay? I'm going to see what God's word has to say because that's what is important. That should be the same way for us as believers. There are always going to be Christian leaders, teachers, pastors that we like and respect. There's many that I do, many that I listen to, many that I read their books. I like and respect people that are qualified, that I can look up to, that you and I can look up to, that are wise, that handle the scriptures well. Those are all good things. But the focus always needs to be on God and his word because people can get off track. People can have opinions that are not consistent with God's word. And once we start to follow that, we're treading on 
shaky ground. The only way you will know if they're following God's word is like the Bereans. Search it. Okay? Study it. You know, the great reformer Martin Luther said, the Bible is every person's book. And that means we can all study God's word. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's the way God designed it. The American church is in trouble because more and more denominations, movements are moving away from biblical truth. And you'll see this. If you travel around and visit other churches, they're moving away from biblical truth because there are pastors and leaders that are gifted and likable, but not biblical. And basically, they're not staking what they teach on God's word. And here's what happens. We, as a people, as the American church, we become lazy to test it. We become lazy maybe uninterested, maybe we like what we're hearing. Paul talks about that in Timothy, right? He says people will surround themselves with the teachers that like what they say, like tickle their ears, right? So we can't, we can't do that. We, can't, we have to stay focused on God's word. In some cases, so-called Christian leaders are deceiving entire generations of Christians to accept things that God calls sin, Guess what? It's sinful to do that, right? They're living out what Paul says in Romans 1. They're exchanging the truth of God for lies. They're doing this so the world will like them. There's a lot of things. Remember the passage that uh, was read this morning about Jesus saying to the disciples, hey guys, I have a great message for you. This is going to be awesome. Here it is. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Not a promise we're hanging on our wall, right? Okay? <laughs> but it's the truth. When we stick to the scriptures, and this is where it gets hard because we stick to the scriptures and then people don't like it. And they actually get mad at us. And they actually attack us. And then we feel like, oh, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Because, you know, isn't it all about love? Right? Well, apparently Jesus said that when you follow him, just like they hated him, they will hate you. Paul wasn't trying to be hated. Okay? He wasn't going into town like, let me see how many enemies I can make here. That's not what his goal was. He didn't like being hated, but he realized that if he was going to follow God, that sometimes you'll be hated. You're going to teach and say things based upon the scriptures that in general the world may not like. The world may not like. you rather not have to say it. you rather not have to teach it. I will tell you, I'll confess to you as a pastor, sometimes there's passages that we come to, I'm like, ah, oh, well, I got to do this? Like in front of all these people? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So the result of the Bereans searching the scriptures were this, was this. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. The Bereans believed because they looked in to what the scriptures said. And God used Paul to point them in the right direction when he preached to them. Let me just tell you, if you study the word, it will impact your life. I'll say that again. 
You study the word, it will impact your life. The Bible is living and active. It does not come back void. Okay? That's why when we preach God's word, when we share God's word with other people, basically what's going to happen is this. It's going to have an impact. Many of you heard me say this at the door. Sometimes people will come up to me and say, oh, Pastor Mike, that was a good sermon. And I'll say something along these lines. Thanks. I have good material. Okay? You've heard me say that before. Some of you, and the truth is, is I, Mike Morazic, don't have material. Okay? But the Bible does. It's vast. And that's why we don't, we always study through scriptures. It's not like, okay, I'm going to come here and tell you a nice little story about my life. Okay? Guess what? The stories about my life don't matter. Okay? But God's word does. So God and his word are what changes people. And that's why those people in Berea, when they studied, they believed. Let me check out what Paul has to say. And I'm going to check it out. And guess what? Hmm. He was right. What he had to say is true. Sadly, many people will discount Jesus based upon, guess what? His followers or the church and never consider studying God's word. That's why we have to lean on God's word. Because if people look at the church, if people look at pastors, if they look at authors, if they look at Christian leaders, Christian musicians, they look at all them, guess what? They're going to be a little discouraged. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, I like this one Christian artist. They're really nice. And I saw an interview. It was kind of weird, right? Well, guess what? When you look at God's word, that's what stands firm, okay? That's the light to our path. This may have been the case with many of the Jews from Thessalonica. They, they might have not checked. They didn't really like Paul's presentation. They didn't really like what's going on, so they got jealous, right? And they went to Jason's house to look for them. They couldn't find them, and guess what? Lo and behold, they found out where they went. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too agitating and stirring up the crowds. So they didn't have much to stand on, but what they did have to stand on was there's a lot of people out there in the crowd, okay? The rebel rousers, the people that, you know, are looking for trouble. So let me rally people up and, and, and get them, get a little mob scene going, okay? We've seen that, right? Just a few times, okay? Some, so the opposition Paul faced in Thessalonica followed him to Berea to stop him. Most of the time when people are not interested in what you have to say, the Lord it would say about the Lord, sometimes it ends there, right? You have a friend, co-worker, family member, somebody at work, you know. Um, basically what's happening is, you know, you tell them about the Lord. They don't really like what you have to say. So it ends there, right? It ends there. But from time to time... There's going to be those people that are actually opposed to it. Have you had those people? They're opposed to it. They don't like what you're saying. They're mad about it. Do you realize this? I mean, we're not suffering here as Christians, okay? We're suffering today because it's raining out, right? Okay? We're, that, that's like, oh, what am I going to do today? It's so rainy. I had some yard work to do. I want to do it. Right now, there are Christians being persecuted in China, Vietnam, Turkey, Nigeria, Uzbekistan, and many other countries. You realize that? Persecuted, beaten, killed for studying God's word, for doing what you and I are doing right now. They're being beaten and killed. Hey, listen, if you want to learn more about that, you can go to a website. It's called persecution.com. It's Voice of the Martyrs. 
stories upon stories upon stories. Today, okay, right now, Christians being persecuted for doing exactly what you and I are doing, believing in Jesus, worshiping Jesus. Could you imagine? You know, many people, they can't even get to church, right? Here, oh, it's hard. The time's kind of weird, you know? I, I would like it a little later, you know, or maybe a little earlier, whatever. Like, that's our persecution, right? That's our troubles as American Christians. So listen, if you're ever getting lazy about your faith and lazy about studying God's word, go on persecution.com and start to see how other Christians have to live because they trust in Jesus. So here's what happens. In order to protect Paul, here's what happens. Those who conducted, conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. So basically what's happening is Paul's going to end up in Athens. That's where we're going to pick up next week one of my favorite passages in, in Acts when Paul preach, preaches to the people in Athens. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful for each person that's here. We're thankful, Lord, that we live in a country where, by and large, we're not persecuted. But we do know that people are not welcoming towards what your word has to say. We pray that we stick to your word, that we don't follow people. We follow people that follow your word. We just pray, Lord, for the Christians that are persecuted in other countries for those that can't even do what we're doing right now. We pray that we're inspired by their faith. We pray that we hold fast to what your word has to say so we can bring that to other people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.